and welcome. Millennium Consulting is running a series of podcasts, during which we hear about the careers and backgrounds of some of the world's most successful leaders. Today, we're talking with Kirsty Erridge, UK Director for the charity Raising Futures Kenya. Hi, Kirsty. Thank you for taking the time to join us today. Hi, Sam. Thanks for having me. You've enjoyed a successful career within the charity sector with over 10 years experience in international development with a particular focus on community-led empowerment programs. Can you tell me what made you decide to pursue your career in this sector? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, when I finished university, I was um, working for the police as soon as I finished university and then decided to go traveling to South and Central America. Um, and it was when I was there for, for seven months that I saw the the huge disparities between um, countries that are low income and affluent countries such as the UK that I'd been used to growing up in. So that's what sort of sparked my interest in working for organisations that will help restore social justice and and equality and equity for, for people that live in, in poverty or don't have access to the sorts of facilities and services that, that they should have. So when I came back to the UK after travelling, I started volunteering for lots of different organisations in the charity sector just to try and figure out how you get into the charity world. There's so many different types of jobs within charity, so I was just trying to find out where I thought my niche would be and where I could have the, um, have the most impact. So that's what um, inspired me to get involved in charities, but particularly um, international development because I wanted to work with international organisations. Brilliant, thank you. Um, COVID-19 has impacted charities worldwide. Um, it would be great to just hear how things are going at Raising Futures Kenya. Yeah, so at Raising Futures Kenya, there was a, a similar lockdown that happened in the UK in Kenya, where the government decided to close all schools, colleges, universities, um, limit travel, restrict movement, just to try and control the spread of the virus. The, um, the prevalence of the virus wasn't as, um, as as large as it was in the UK, but the issues in places like Kenya that they don't have the health facilities to be able to cope with um, with such infectious diseases. So it was important for the government to lock down early. Um, unfortunately, for Raising Futures Kenya, this meant that the vulnerable young children and young people that we work with then were were sent home. Lots of people work in casual jobs and they all lost their, their jobs. So we went from being a development organisation, helping children and young people to get an education, to get a skilled vocation and to help them either get into employment or start a business so they can then become financially independent. We went from that to providing emergency aid because we were already working with these with these vulnerable families. They were in rural areas or slum communities in Nairobi and it was places that the, the large NGOs just weren't reaching and the government aid just wasn't reaching. So we had to respond really quickly to provide emergency aid for these people in terms of um, food, medical supplies, health and hygiene supplies and rent because many of them as they'd lost their jobs were then also at risk of being made homeless. Um, so the challenge for us became not only providing that um, emergency aid to the families safely to protect our staff in Kenya and the organisations that we work alongside in Kenya, but also it was at a time when funding was suddenly cut for lots of charities working in international development because many of our funders 
either stopped their funding rounds completely or decided to switch their priorities to supporting organisations working in the UK. So it meant there was a, a really difficult time where the need for our services and support went through the roof at a time when funding and support was just disappearing at a rapid rate. Um, so I think that was the most the most challenging time that we've ever had as an organisation. But thankfully, the team that we work with in Kenya, uh, we work alongside a Kenyan organisation. The people that we work with are from the communities. They tell us what's needed and how we can best support them. So it's very much a community led organisation and they were able to respond really quickly and tell us the safest way that we could support the most vulnerable families and children during this pandemic so we were really lucky that we work with such incredible dedicated teams in Kenya the teachers that we work with were absolutely dedicated to making sure that the students didn't stop their education even though they were in lockdown and couldn't come into the classrooms so they all adapted their lessons and switched to digital learning and, and distance e-learning which they've never done before so it was a huge challenge for them but they did everything they could so they continued lessons through whatsapp through printed workbooks for people that didn't have access to um, to mobile phones. They were calling families on a weekly basis just to offer counselling and support to the families. It's obviously incredibly worrying time. They were providing emergency health messaging because, again, rural communities don't have access to the sorts of information coming from the Ministry of Health that, that, other, organized, that other communities may have had. Um, and they were just incredibly dead set on making sure that these students could continue their education and that they're not going to miss out, whilst also having to try and homeschool their own children, help family members that had lost their jobs. They, they're just incredibly resilient and inspiring. So that's what kept us all going and, and motivated us to do the best we can to get the fundraising in that they needed to be able to provide the support that they needed. Wow, what an incredible answer. What a team you have. <laughs> yeah, they're amazing. <laughs> we're really lucky. Um, now we're going to talk a little bit about you. So what personal qualities do you possess that have enabled you to be successful working within the charity sector? I think anyone working in the charity sector, you just have to have a huge level of empathy and, and passion, because if you're not passionate about what you're, the charity and the organisation that you're working for and the causes that you're trying to support, then it, you, just, you just won't be successful because you need to be able to, to understand what the participants that you're working with and the people that you're working alongside with that you need to understand what they're going through in order to be able to convey that to the people that you're then asking to part with their hard-earned money and you need to be able to tell them the difference and the impact that it will make so i think it's really important to to have to have empathy and understanding um and also just to be quite resilient and understand that lots of people are going to say no to you and you need to be able to pick yourself up dust yourself up and carry on <laughs> yeah <laughs> Um, now a question I ask all my guests, what motivates you and makes you want to get up in the morning? The team in Kenya, without a doubt, just the, the things that they do, the dedication that they have, the passion that they have for the work that they do in supporting children and young people, um, without a doubt that is what motivates me and what makes me uh, want to do the best job that I possibly can to enable them to, to support the people that, that need it most. Brilliant answer. Now, is there anything you'd wish you'd known when you first began your career? I, well, I think probably knowing that not everyone will be as, as passionate about things as, <laughs> as I am. So if they say no to me, I, I, 
I was taking it very personally and um, and was getting quite disheartened and um, and demoralised about that. And I couldn't really understand why people didn't feel the same that, yeah. <laughs> the same as I did. So I think it's probably I wish I'd been a little bit more realistic and um, a little bit more understanding of people's other competing needs. That that just because I'm passionate about a particular project or cause that doesn't mean that everyone else is going to be so it's about trying to find the people that are aligned with your with your values and um, the values of the organization that you're working for and um and really build the relationships with those that it's a it's a long process it's not just the it's not just full of quick wins you really need to build those relationships with people and um and understand that not everyone is either going to be in a position to give or support or they're just not going to be as as passionate about that particular cause um see so yeah, i think i i wish i'd been a bit more resilient at the beginning of my career <laughs> what advice would you give someone starting their career within the charity sector um i think it would be to find find a cause or a charity that you're really passionate about because if you're not passionate about your work it will show so you need to be you need to believe in the in the cause or the values of your organization that you're working for um and you really need to um find something that will motivate you to get up every day um, and also working within the charity sector there's so many different types of roles that you can have and I remember when I first started, I wish that I'd known at school that there were all of these opportunities available to you because working in the in a charity was just never something that was ever on even on my radar. But there's so many incredible roles that you can have within a charity from fundraising, marketing, communications, finance, operations, to then actually delivering the programs and supporting the people that you want to work with. Um, so there's such a huge variety. So I think my advice to anyone wanting to get into the sector would be to try and volunteer in as many different roles within charities as you can, just to try and get a flavour of what type of career you would you would like to have, but mainly to focus on working in an organisation that you believe in and that you feel passionate about, because job satisfaction um it will just the enthusiasm that you have for your cause will show in um, in the work that you do and i don't ever feel like i'm working like this feels like an absolute privilege for me every day to be to be doing this so i think everyone working for a charity or any organization you shouldn't feel like it's work it should be a joy and a privilege to be to be doing that i mean that's the dream isn't it yeah definitely i'm very lucky <laughs> Uh, so talking a little bit about recruitment now, what are the key skills and personal qualities you look for when hiring staff? So I think the, the main thing I look for is is communication, because if you can't communicate effectively within your team or with the, the, the donors and supporters that you're looking to work with or the people that are actually delivering the programmes, um, if you can't communicate effectively, then nothing will work. That's the that's the key skill that I look for. And it's something that you can't necessarily teach. You have to just have that that innate ability to understand that the needs of of the people that are delivering the programs and their time constraints and the the issues that they're dealing with um, need to be taken into consideration when you're um, communicating things that you need from them. And you need to just be really mindful of what everyone else's um, expectations and what their other responsibilities are. And just being able to communicate effectively as a as a team, I think, can really make or break an organisation. So for me, the key thing I look for when recruiting is, is good communication. Another thing is passion, because if you're not passionate about what, what the organisation is doing or what your job will be, 
it will show. So if you're not enjoying it, it, it will show. So I think that's really important. Um, and I think just just empathy, just being able to understand the the programs that we're working on, why we're doing that, um, the challenges that, that the people that we're working with are facing. Um, and similarly to that, the, the challenges that fundraisers or donors that are going to support us have as well. And it's just being able to understand that and build really meaningful relationships with everyone that you're working with, because at the end of the day, fundraising is about one person talking to another. So if you're not passionate and you don't have the communication skills, that won't work. But those skills are very transferable to all areas of an organisation, particularly I generally work in small charities. So it's really important that people are team players and that they they communicate well and that they've got empathy for, um, for all organisations that we work alongside. Great answer. Thank you. What do you think will be the key employment challenges faced by the next generation of employee? Well, I think just the, the economic climate um, as a result of COVID-19 is really going to, to impact the next generation because I think there's just going to be far fewer employment opportunities and that just means that the employment market is going to be so much more competitive. Um, I think, again, the key thing is just for them to be trying to get as much experience as they can, whether that's in a volunteer capacity, which is obviously really limiting to people that can afford that that privilege of being able to volunteer their time and not not earning money, but just doing as much research and um, and just finding out the most about the organisations that they want to work for. Because when you go to interview, it shows if you've researched the organisation and you know more about it. But yeah, I think the biggest challenge is just going to be the lack of employment opportunities, and that's not just for for young people here in the UK. We're facing a similar crisis in Kenya where. Um, over 770,000 young people aged 15 to 24 have already lost their jobs during the pandemic. That's on top of another 800,000 that were already unemployed before the pandemic. So it's looking like an increase to 1.8 million of unemployed young people in Kenya by December. So the young people that we're working alongside there, we've, we're really trying to support them with being able to set up their own small business enterprise because they're just aren't the employment opportunities available, but there are small businesses that they can set up on their own as sole traders to really help themselves to be able to, to, to earn their own money and to be reliant on themselves not and not large employers because there just isn't going to be the employment opportunities open to young Kenyan people for the next few years at least. So that's something that we're really keen to develop and entrepreneurial and business skills for young people and financial literacy because they need to know how to manage their money particularly at a time like this so yeah it's a challenging time for young people and i really feel for them gosh those numbers are shocking aren't they yeah yeah it's really heartbreaking how do you not cry all the time at work I know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like when you were saying it i was like gosh like yeah yeah it's... and particularly having meetings with the kenyan team and when they're actually telling you the stories of the individual students and it's it is just heartbreaking and that's that's where where the motivation comes from to to yeah. do better and to do to, to do everything i can to the best of my ability to support these people because there's no one else there to to support them and all they want to do is be independent they don't want to be reliant on on handouts they just want the skills and the knowledge to be able to set themselves up in a business and to support their family so that's really what raising futures kenya focuses on empowerment and enabling people to be independent because 
nobody wants to be reliant on handouts. So. That's incredible. Yeah. Now, outside of the office, um, uh, how I'm going to read that one again. Sorry, I, I keep getting thrown. I just get so invested in the answers. Like, what's my next question? <laughs> what are your interests outside of the office and how do you relax? So I'm a very keen amateur DIYer. I really like, <laughs> um, <laughs> I really like DIY and, um, and upcycling things, much to my husband's annoyance. <laughs> Every so often there's a bit of pet furniture that's suddenly appeared and now been painted and varnished. Um, I really enjoy crafting and making things. Um, so I love sewing and crochet and macrame. Um, and and really love cats. I'm a crazy cat lady. <laughs> I'm a crazy dog lady. <laughs> so yeah, anything that involves creating and making things, um, I really enjoy. Um, so we've just got time for one last question today. Um, and it's back to the subject of COVID-19. What do you think would be its impact on the global economy over the upcoming years? I think it's just going to be absolutely devastating. I think we're already seeing the impact of it. I mean, here in the UK, let alone worldwide. But I think it's the the low income countries that are um, at like the beginning of the supply chain, if you like. So the producers of, of things that a lot of luxury products that perhaps they would have been exporting, people are cutting back on buying. So that just impacts the whole supply chain. And I think it's the people in the low income countries that are going to be impacted the most because they don't have the sorts of safety nets that that we have um, or that uh, more developed countries are able to offer their um, their citizens so they don't have job seekers allowance or universal credit that sort of thing um, so I think they're going to be impacted the hardest and just any countries that rely on export as their main source of of income um, I think just going to be impacted the most and and it's just going to be devastating the impact that it's going to have on those those countries and the populations that, that work in those industries and I think it's just really important to try and be mindful of organizations that are working with people that don't have the government safety nets that that we're very lucky to have and I understand why funders are pivoting to support UK organizations because it's it's here right in front of our eyes we can see it but we're very fortunate to have a safety net in place in terms of health system and a social welfare system. And there's so many countries that just don't have that. And it's the it's it's the most vulnerable people in those countries that are going to be impacted the most and that that will be hit the hardest. That's all we have time for today. And um, thank you very much for taking some time out to talk to me, Kirsty. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Sam. Um, I just wanted to take this opportunity to to really thank Millennium Consulting for all the support you've given to Raising Futures Kenya over the years. It's just an absolute privilege to work alongside you, and we really appreciate all of the the hard work and effort that that you and your your clients and staff and supporters put into to raising money for uh, for the young people that we work with in Kenya it really means a lot to us and I know from from visiting the young people in in Kenya in the communities they're just so grateful that complete strangers go out of their way to fundraise and donate their money to to support them having never met them before so it really does make a huge impact so I just wanted to to thank Millennium Consulting on behalf of of myself and the team in Kenya and everyone at Raising Futures Kenya just thank you very much <laughs>